Hello, everyone, and welcome to the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week in this special episode 34, all about the iPhone X event. So let us be your guide as Apple pushes and pops all types of new products to us. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. It was an exciting day of Apple news, and then we had some good games this week. Uh, I don't know. It's just been a good week, and it's only, yep, and what, Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> it's early and we've already had a whole bunch going on and that apple event is obviously the star of the show we've been talking about it for i don't know how many episodes leading up to it but now everything's official tim cook and co took the stage and showed everything off and so we're going to go in order of the actual event and that means we're going to start off with apple watch series three with all due respect to angela Earhart's talking about the retail store we're going to go with the <laughs> products <laughs> and so the watch series three is as expected it's pretty much the series two with an lte chip built in and apple told us all about what that means so you can go for a run you can play around at the beach and other similar activities without having to bring your iphone along your watch is fully functional by itself that's going to be making and receiving calls, sending messages, using Siri, connecting to third-party apps, accessing maps, and also Apple Music, all from just having the Apple Watch Series 3 on your wrist. Right, and one of the questions we did have, which they did answer, is it's going to use your exact same phone number. So whatever phone you somehow have, we don't know exactly how it's going to be paired up, but somehow your phone is paired to the Apple Watch with the LTE chip and it's the exact same phone number that they're going to call. And then it knows when you're away from your phone. So it knows that you should be getting the call on your watch when it goes to that, that phone number. Right. And in case you're wondering, is that going to cost extra? How is that going to work? We do know that Verizon, AT&T and T-Mobile are going to charge you $10 a month for Apple watch cellular connectivity and that's on top of how much you're paying already on your cell phone bill as well as the $399 price tag. Right. So basically I, I have AT&T. So they treat it pretty much exactly like if you had a tablet you were going to put on or a gaming device, they charge $10 a month for those devices to get added on to your cellular plan. And so it seems like that's exactly what they're going to do with the Apple Watch when you have that cellular service with it as well. And so the Apple Watch Series 3 is going to be available to pre-order on the 15th of this month and then available in stores and for delivery on the 22nd. And it's worth noting that the cellular version starts at $399. You can get the Apple Watch Series 3 without the LTE chip. Essentially, it's just a processor bump, and that's going to be starting at $329. So if you do want that cellular, they have a new introductory price that they bumped up $70. Right. And those introductory prices, that's on the smaller band, the 38 millimeter. Yeah, is that the right? 38. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, I mean, in, if you want the 42, then obviously it's I don't even remember what the price increase is, but it's another bump up from those values. And then if you wanted the uh, gray ceramic watch with the Hermes band, that's going to cost you a whole heck of a lot of money. Yep. That's why they say it starts at three ninety nine. So just to get in the door for the cellular watch, it's going to be three ninety nine, and I don't know if that's. I mean, for me, I have the Apple Watch Series One, 
and looking at it pure and simple, I'm not upgrading. I dodged Series 2, I dodged Series 3. I don't know what series it's going to take for Apple to get me to upgrade my watch. Yeah, so I, it's not enough for me to bite. I still have my Pebble. I, I was kind of hoping there'd be an, a bump in battery life. I knew there wouldn't be. I knew we'd hear, it has that same all-day battery life. I knew we'd hear that that sentence come out. And uh, so it still can't really track sleeping. I think that's one of the spots where, where it's kind of lacking compared to similar devices. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not paying another $10 a month just for that cellular service. Yes, it would be convenient at times, but not something I'm going to be paying another $120 a year for. Right. Is it really that convenient? And then watchOS 4 is going to be available on September 19th, and that's going to go for macOS X High Sierra as well as iOS 11 and Apple TV 11, OS 11. <laughs> yeah yeah who knows but all that stuff the os's are pretty much talked about at wwdc and they're coming on the 19th and yeah, so that, that, that means yeah i was just gonna say the the one thing they did kind of just blow over were the os's they really didn't talk about them at all like they they even just spit out one quick sentence with a date for ios 11 nothing not even really showing off ios 11 features except for one which we'll get to but otherwise, they kind of just blew over that stuff. Normally, they spend a good deal of time. It seemed kind of like they were rushing through to try to quickly fit everything into like two hours rather than bumping it to like a three-hour event like they have in the past. Yeah, usually they do recap everything about the iOS and all the new features of the different OSs, but not this time. I guess they had so many things they wanted to talk about for their four big hardware pieces. Yep. And so that takes us to the Apple TV 4K. That's the official title. It's essentially the same Apple TV you have, but now it's compatible with 4K. And that means there's a new chip to be able to handle 4K. It's the A10X chip. It's the same one that's in the iPad Pro. And the 4K content is actually pretty interesting because I'm surprised that Apple's going to offer 4K movies for the same price as HD movies. And if you bought an HD movie that has a 4K option, they're going to do an upgrade for free. So that was actually kind of un-Apple-like for premium content. Yeah, they can talk about the technology all they want. They can put their spin on why their 4K is better than other 4K devices. But to me, the two facts that stood out the most of that whole section of the, the presentation was exactly what you just said, that they are going to be offering 4K digital movies for the same price that they're currently offering the HD ones, which that's a bargain right there because normally these are a lot more expensive and then to to then be that that much more friendly to everyone who's already bought hd content like now we're going to give you the 4k versions for free we're not even going to make you rebuy them i mean that was insane that, that was the highlight of that section for me yeah definitely because apple can say all they want all of the different 4k stream boxes include hdr support and dolby vision we know what 4k is it's not some special new thing you took forever to add it to the apple tv so you can just gloss over that and get to what actually is a differentiator and that is definitely one for itunes actually offering competitive pricing and then all netflix 4k content is going to be available on the apple tv interestingly amazon prime has a lot of 4k content and there was touted an Apple Prime, Apple TV app coming at WWDC. 
and they just glossed over it. I expected like the full final announcement, the official launch date, maybe even available later today. But all they did was, oh, it's still coming later this year. So I don't know what's the holdup on that one. Right. And they did mention that it also would support the 4K content on that that. But they didn't, yeah, they didn't give us a date. They didn't say when it was going to be added. They did talk a little bit about the the TV app on the Apple TV and, and your other devices and how that was going to have that sports tab that you could see the live uh, news and the live sports on. And I thought that was interesting. But they they even that, they didn't go into too much detail. The sports, they showed you some, but it was kind of this faraway view that they didn't really give you a good look at it. Yeah, because the TV app's really compelling when it comes to live sports because live sports has a lot of restrictions. So they touted the ESPN app. That's easy. That's, you know, well-known. It's mainly nationally broadcast stuff. But local sports are the really interesting ones. If they could actually integrate that into Siri where you could, say, put on the Laker game and it would play that, but it looked like they want you to use the NBA courtside app or MLB at bat rather than the standalone app and services that these channels provide. And so that always seems to be a hiccup because national stuff, it's relatively easy to watch without the Apple TV. It's the other stuff, especially with all the blackout restrictions, and they glossed over all of that. Right, yeah, and I'm assuming it's all just licensing thing they're they're working out or they can't offer in all markets. They're not going to push it and they're not going to really talk about it until – they have something better. I mean, they want people to know it's there, but yeah, they don't seem to really go into a lot of detail. And so that TV app update, that's coming to the existing Apple TV, right? Yeah, that was coming to both the Apple TV and I believe uh, your your iOS iOS device as well. Yeah. Okay. And then also the actual terms of the screensavers, those are going to be 4K as well because those are definitely popular... And they're neat. I'd love to see those in 4K and really kind of make your 4K TV shine. Yeah, I don't have a 4K TV, but I do love that that top-down view one they have of, like, the roads and you see the cars moving on the roads. That's the one I always like to, to watch when it comes on. And so the Apple TV 4K is going to start at $179 for the 32 gigabyte and $199 for the 64 gigabyte. And the existing Apple TV is going to stay around for $149. And this pricing structure is relatively interesting because it makes you want to just get the 64 gigabytes for only $20 more. Yeah, it was a it was a bigger difference when we bought ours, wasn't it? It was like a $50 I think it was $150 to $200. And now they've bumped up the low tier because they kept the old tier around at 150 so now the 4K starts at 179 rather than dropping that the low, price of the The low tier, one. was that 32 or was that a 64? Yeah. I don't remember. That was 32. No, it was 32 also. and 64 for Apple TV 3. Right, no, but I mean the one that kept around. It was the 32 or is it the 64? I don't remember which one it is. For the, the one you can get, the non-4K that you can still get. Yeah. I, I don't remember sure which one it was. But, yeah. but I mean, if you're someone just buying it, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if you have a 4K TV, you're going to want 4K content. Whether this is your solution, if you don't have an, uh, an Apple TV, it seems to make sense to just go out and buy the, the 64 gig uh, 4K version. But if you're someone who already owns an Apple TV, do you spend another $200 to upgrade it? I don't know. It, I guess it depends if that's going to be your main source of watching 
4K content or you have a lot of content on your phone that you record in 4K that you want to be able to mirror over to your your television. It's a really tough decision because I got my 4K TV last year during Black Friday for 250 bucks. It's a 50-inch TV. Do I want to pay $200 just for the content <laughs> that the app, you know, the TV has web apps. I can access Netflix and Amazon already on the TV. So the Apple TV is not really doing anything different. So that's quite a premium price point for what they're offering. Right, right. Yeah. So it's it's a it's for existing owners. It's a tough sell unless you can do something with like your your previous device, maybe give it to someone or maybe a multiple TVs and you want to use it on, on a 1080p TV of still sitting around. But yeah, I don't know. It took for me, obviously the answer is no, because I don't have a 4k TV at this point. So it's an easy, easy for me, but I don't know about you. And well, I do have a, you know, I have a bedroom TV that I could use the old one on and then the living room TV where you could use the 4k on. So you'd still be using the old version it's not like you're completely upgrading it. you're just kind of switching the boxes around right right and it's worth noting that the old version they're keeping around is the 32 gigabyte i just looked that up it is okay yeah and so that's pretty much the non-iphone stuff and so that means it's time for iphone and it took till so the event started at 10 o'clock pacific time by ten fifty six, we finally got to the iphone it took that long but we made it and apple started out with the iphone 8 and the iphone 8 plus so they're foregoing the 7s cycle and just calling it iphone 8 because we're apple and we'll do whatever we want and with the iphone 8 and the 8 plus they largely resemble last year's model but the main difference is that now the front and the back are completely glass that is reinforced by steel and that allows the setup for wireless charging so the iphone 8 and iphone 8 plus use wireless charging and then they have the new a11 bionic chip but other than that well i guess the retina display is now the true tone display from the ipad but that's i think all that was mainly different yeah one they also added the ability on the plus model i think only to do that 240 frames per second on slow motion 1080p now with the camera i don't think you could do that with the old 7 plus i think they said that was more than double what it could do before so i mean but it's limited things like yeah and then i think it's more of an s upgrade it's yeah, the optical it's, image stabilization came from the Plus model. It's now on the 4.7-inch model as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it But yeah, definitely like, stuff. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like... A, I mean, yeah, they changed the look a little bit, and it offers wireless charging, but you can still charge it the old way. It's not like you're forced to now use wireless charging. So... I don't know. It's just not really compelling. And you almost caught the sense of it where they tried to just rush through it. I mean, at points he was a little wordy and went on for a while, but you got the sense that they were just trying to rush through this because they need to lay the groundwork for something bigger that they still had to announce, which we, anyone who saw any tech vlog already knew what was coming. But that was the sense I got while he was going through it it didn't just didn't seem like their heart was in it it was like we got to put out something that's lower priced that's kind of priced around what we're selling now just to appease people that do want to upgrade but don't want to spend a ton of money and here you go 
Yeah, that's, I think, exactly what the iPhone 8 and Plus are. I mean, Phil Schiller did his best to talk it up, to have, like, the most durable ever glass on a smartphone and the most powerful and smartest chip ever on a smartphone. You know, those token things they like to say. But coincidentally enough, those items aren't distinct to the iPhone 8, which, I mean, that A11 Bionic chip, it is pretty cool with the six-core setup where it has two high-performance cores and four power-efficient cores that are 25% and 70% faster, respectively, than the A10. But if I was in the market, like, say I didn't buy the 7, and I had the 6, and I'm like, I really want to upgrade, but I don't want to spend a ton of money, am I even compelled to upgrade to the 8? Yeah, I don't know, because, I mean, I have the 6 Plus, and I'm not compelled to upgrade to the 8 Plus. I mean, there's not enough there. Even if I, even if there were no other phones, these were the two phones that were offered, there's not a lot there for me to upgrade at this point. Like, I could have written out this 6 Plus a yet another year with what they've offered in this 8 Plus. It's really not so brand new and amazing that i feel like oh i gotta jump on this yeah all day i was trying to figure out who the iphone 8 appeals to and i couldn't really think of a market that's what's really weird because if someone wanted a cheap phone apple has cheaper options and if someone wants a better phone they have options so it's sitting in this weird tier of who needs or wants this device Right, yeah, because they even kept around the 6S. So they have the 6S, they have the 7. Either of those are going to be less money and offer you pretty much the same thing. So you, if you want that 4.7-inch screen, you're better off just saving some money and buying one of those two, and you're going to get an awesome phone, especially if you just went with the 7. Like, it's not that old. It's a fairly recent model. It just came out last year. And this is not that huge of an upgrade that it's worth maybe spending all that extra money on. And so if you do want the specifics, the iPhone 8 is starting at $699 for 64 gigabyte. And then the iPhone 8 Plus will start at $799 for the 64 gigabyte. And these are going to be available to pre-order on the 19th 15th. or 15th. Uh, the 15th. Yeah, 15th, and then available in store and delivery on the 22nd. Now, one interesting thing that we did see once they did this presentation is they're down to only two capacity sizes. They have a 64 gig and a 256, where in the past we've always seen three tiers of the newest models coming out. Granted, once they kind of shift to the to the end of their lineup, then they start to drift off and maybe they only offer one size or maybe two sizes. But they always, on a brand new phone, have offered three different sizes. And this was the first time now we've seen where they just have this 64 gig and then it goes to a 256. And because that jump is so high and they don't have a third option, they now have in, it used to be priced $100 between each one of those levels. Now we see a $150 jump between that 8 gig and then uh, the 8 at 64 gigs and the 8 at 256 gigs and same with the the 8 plus so now we have like a bigger distance between the pricing when you compare the the capacities on a model yeah so that's worth noting because that's going to be across all their lines that 
There's just two storage configurations, and to do that jump, it's $150. Yep. And so that means it's time for the star of the show. And Apple made a big deal that this was the first event at the Steve Jobs Theater. Steve Jobs was such a big driving force of Apple, obviously, of the first iPhone. It's the 10-year anniversary of the iPhone. And that means they introduced the final item with Steve's classic line, one more thing. And it was the iPhone X. It was the biggest thing. It wasn't just one more thing. And the iPhone X was largely as expected. But just because we knew what it was doesn't lessen the impact of how awesome it really looked on stage to see that 5.8-inch screen. It's an edge-to-edge display. And then they bumped up the screen size. So now, or the resolution, it's going to be 458 pixels per inch. And that is the most, they call it super retina display now. And it's an OLED screen as we expected. And then the device is going to use the same A11 chip as well as the glass design and the wireless charging as the iPhone 8. But really that main distinguisher is as soon as you look at it, it's a completely different iPhone. It's that first edge-to-edge iPhone. And it just looked awesome when they first showed it off. Yeah, no, one surprise right off the bat was even though this thing is, we saw it as the iPhone X, I thought that was an awesome name. No, they still call it the iPhone 10. The X is Roman numeral for 10, and they're calling it the iPhone 10. It would have been much cooler at iPhone X, but that's my personal opinion. But the, one other thing that was kind of different between this and the 8s were. They have those glass front and back, but this one apparently uses surgical grade stainless steel for that band that goes around the center, where the other one was an aluminum band, I believe, that kind of went around on the eight models. And you could definitely see that shininess on the on the outside. But yeah, as soon as you see that screen that goes end to end, I mean it's just all screen on the front, except for this little cutout for the for the camera. But Otherwise, you're just looking at nothing but screen, which was kind of weird because you're so used to at this point seeing that home button, even though we know it was coming. uh, It's still kind of odd to not see that home button there on an iPhone after all these years. And that little cutout is actually proving to be very important as it includes a bunch of different features. So it has an infrared camera, a flood illuminator, proximity sensor, ambient light sensor, speaker, microphone, front camera, and dot projector all into this little cutout. And that allows them to use Face ID, which is their new technology to replace Touch ID. And as expected, it's facial recognition. And it's designed where it sends out all these kinds of 30,000 invisible IR dots to your face and it supposedly works instantaneously to identify you and then it also has this neural engine chip built into the A11 Bionic which is some dual core processor that can have 600 billion operations per second and that can identify your face instantaneously and also identify an active face so it's not going to be fooled by a picture or even a super deluxe 3D mask it has to be your face with some activity to it and then they showed how you could be wearing a hat or a scarf or glasses or all kinds of different things and the device would still be able to recognize you through face id yeah that whole true depth camera system was pretty impressive uh and i still am not entirely convinced that ethan hunt couldn't fool that camera with one of his masks <laughs> but i will see but i, I do i did like the fact because this this was another area where 
people had questions. Once we found out about this face ID, like we were wondering, well, what if someone just kind of holds it up to your face while you're while you're around and they can quickly unlock your phone or make a purchase or something where it does. Like I said, it recognizes the fact that you're looking at your phone and it's not just someone trying to, like, quickly log in by holding the phone up towards you. Uh I myself might have some issues seeing as I have a twin, identical twin. So <laughs> apparently evil twins, which my brother is, um, that you'll have to uh, – it, it said there was a more of a chance that they'll be able to unlock your phone. So he's not really an evil twin. But uh, I'm curious. This is something I will definitely try out to see if my twin brother can open the phone uh by using his face instead of mine. We tried fingerprints. It did not work. So uh, I'm curious to see if that works. Uh, the one thing that uh, I thought was really cool that they mentioned was the fact that if you have an existing app that uses Touch ID, that it should just translate over to this Face ID would now be able to work in the place of the Touch ID. So all of these existing apps that you tend to rely on Touch ID to use to log in, like if you have one password or something like that, uh, you'll now be able to use Face ID in the place of that. And it sounded like it was going to be pretty seamless for developers to be able to go from one to the other and support both of these, depending on what model of phone you have. But obviously I'm not a developer, so I don't know for sure, but that was the impression I got. Yeah, and then the Face ID also, it stores everything local in the secure enclave. And since Apple's doing all this deluxe face tracking, they actually set that up for simple goofy stuff, which includes Snapchat filters to apply to your face, different kind of things but then they also have animated emojis which they call animoji and these it would be like the poo or a fox or a chicken and you can record a 10 second clip where that animated emoji speaks like you and moves your its mouth the way you do when you're speaking back and you can send it to friends and a whole new kind of social connectivity so I don't. My girls are gonna obviously love this, especially the the poop emoji talking. I mean, that's gonna be crazy. And this is exclusive to the iPhone 10. Like you are not gonna be able to do this on any of the other phones. If you look at the list of supported features, it's only supported on the iPhone 10. And I just was really impressed with how well it seemed to stay. Granted, he didn't. Craig didn't shake his head a lot. He kind of kind of kept it level and, and mood, but it seemed to really stick and stay because I've used other AR stuff before where it tries to put those masks on your face and they don't always work so well. And they definitely don't track your lips and move with your lips not nearly as well as this was doing. And so just the fidelity that they were able to achieve with this was really impressive. Granted, I don't know if that was just the demo they had it working that well or if in real life it with any old person it will work just as well we'll see but i'm i'm pretty i was very impressed and then speaking of the demo one interesting thing is that the first phone that craig picked up to yo to show off face id and have everyone see how great it is it didn't work and <laughs> people are making an idea like a big stink about that and the more i look at it it's weird that touch id or your passcode option appeared because when you restart your phone, it asks for touch ID. So I wonder if that device got restarted by accident rather than failing out in face ID recognition. 
No, because I, they would have to have some other method for you to be able to enter your it, – it's got to default to that because what if it doesn't recognize your face enough and then there's no home button for you to trigger like a, a lock screen or something? Like there's no way if this thing gets totally frozen up for you to enter anything. So there has to be another way. And so I'm not no, surprised. No, passcode exists. I just don't – it went to passcode so quickly. I got to imagine it fails the, the facial recognition a couple more times than that. True, true. Yeah, it did seem pretty quick that it immediately went to the the enter your passcode rather than having him try again, try again, like recenter your face or something, like a message to tell you to try it again. And we didn't see that. Obviously, yeah, he just tried and almost immediately went to the backup passcode. And then that backup phone, though, it worked really well when he tried to use it. He even turned away his face, you know, because you do the raise to wake, and he turned away his face, and it went back to sleep. Like, you weren't actually looking at it. You didn't want to unlock the device. So it does some kind of back-end recognizing. It'll be interesting to see if if you wear sunglasses or say you have, like, kind of Halloween makeup or, you know, certain things might not enable it to work, like wearing gloves for Touch ID. I wonder if there's things where face id doesn't work well they did say that sunglasses were, oh well they said glasses they didn't say sunglasses yeah, i don't know You're about right. sunglasses because it blocks your and eyes i didn't even think about that with like a like if what if you're wearing like a halloween costume and you want to take a quick photo or a selfie or something yeah you're gonna have to probably resort to doing the the passcode to unlock to be able to use the phone and I guess that goes back into the idea that there's no home button anymore. And so Apple is going to emphasize swipe gestures. So you're going to swipe from the bottom of this device, pretty much off the screen onto the device, to once you have the face ID to unlock your device. If you're using an app, you do that same swipe idea to go back to the home screen. If you swipe and hold, it brings up the multitasking bar. And then they've moved control center. So if you tap the status bar icons on the upper right where your battery is, that's where it's going to bring down control center from. And one of the other things they showed was if you swipe left or right on the very bottom edge of the screen, you can you can go through your open apps and kind of cycle through those, which initially I was concern that if what if you're playing a game or using an app that requires swiping are you going to accidentally trigger these things but then the more i thought about it i don't often currently with my six plus i don't often accidentally trigger control center or bring down the the notifications from the top while i'm playing games because you do have to kind of go from off the screen where I, I'm guessing that must be how the left and right swipes to go through your open apps is going to work, too. I couldn't really tell from that video, uh, from the presentation, if he was going from off screen or if he was kind of just already on the screen. It's got to be that you have to start off the screen and go to the left and right. But then again, that means they also moved how to bring up. Oh, actually, I guess you only bring up the camera when you're on on the lock screen by swiping to the right, uh, swiping left to right. Or right to left. Yeah, they had big distinct buttons on the bottom of the screen, too, for, for those, flashlight yeah. and camera. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, much nicer. I'd rather have the buttons. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it actually all plays out. And then the iPhone X, like I said, it's going to have the wireless charging that we talked about for iPhone 8. But it also has a camera system which is built upon 
the 8 plus or the 7 plus where it's the dual 12 megapixel lenses there's an f 1.8 and a new f 2.4 for the telephoto lens and then there's going to be a quad true tone flash and there's dual optical image stabilization which i think is specific to the x yes i believe that was specific that dual i think the other one and then you had additional zooms zoom levels on the x that you don't have on the 8 plus because 8 plus has a better ca camera than the 8 uh that right. i think it was like a 6 to 8 optical a uh, 6 or 10 on the on the 10 optical zoom as well for for various things but yeah so you can definitely zoom in more with your with your uh, with your iphone 10 than you can with any other device that they have so far yeah and so i'm going to keep trying to call it iphone x apple on stage can call it <laughs> iphone 10 all they want but project x special x any kind of x it makes it sound more just like a unique one-off kind of addition than just iphone 10 well we have the we have the i uh, the xbox one x coming in november as well so like i thought i was buying a whole bunch of x's but i guess not and so, you know, what's interesting is that they said that the iPhone X lasts two more hours of battery than the iPhone 7. No word on the battery life of the iPhone 8 or the Plus, but somehow the X is going to muster two more hours than the 7. Yeah, I was. I, the, the battery life is a, a thing that they always tend to gloss over now. Remember when we used to get those charts where they gave yeah. you like all those different th things you could do, all the different things you could do in this how many hours? They no longer even come close to giving you those because they can't guarantee those numbers. They've always have been kind of bogus and best case scenarios. And so I've noticed like in the years, Apple has totally gone away from those. They so just like their all day battery life is the way they go. Yep. And so the if you're wondering how much this new awesome phone is going to be, it's going to start at $999 for the 64 gigabyte. And then it's the $150 premium for the 256 gigabyte. And in case you were thinking... I'm going to pre-order this on Friday. Well, it turns out that the pre-order is actually going to be October 27th with an availability on November 3rd. So that was kind of the most disappointing piece of the entire event for me. Well, especially because you know that even if, that with them pushing this out a month, there are still going to be super limited quantities. Although maybe the fact, because originally we thought we were also going to have a 512 option on this. And maybe the fact that that's not being offered, if they're only making 64 and 256, maybe that's to help with the supply. So they're not dividing it up across all these different levels, and hopefully they'll have enough of one versus the other. But it's annoying because people that have already like locked in trade-in values, like with Gazelle or Declutter or any of these sites – now those deals, even some of them were pushing them out to October, but it's not going to be late enough that you're going to still be able to have that locked in price. And so you're going to have to do this all over again once we get closer to that date to get a trade in value locked in. So it's annoying not only that you have to wait a month, but that you're probably going to get less for your trade in because of that. Yeah, that's definitely a factor to consider because now – whatever phone you're currently using, you can't sell it, get rid of it, or do anything with it for pretty much six weeks or even longer. 
Right. And if you're someone who's on an, an AT&T Next plan and you've now covered half your payments, you would have at the end of this month, you're going to be paying extra payments towards this phone that now you're you're probably not going to keep where you could have just traded in and not paid those payments and put those next set of payments towards the new phone. So you're going to be spending more payments until you can swap out the phone as well. So again, that's $999. I guess we'll talk about it again when we get closer to October 27th. Yeah, I'm in for the 1149. I'm going 256 iPhone 10 in black. Yeah, so also there's only an option of silver and space gray. So there's the special gold option on the iPhone 8 and Plus, but only two color options on the iPhone X. Yep. And so what did you think of the event as taken as a whole because like you said it was quick pacing they put in a lot in two hours but i don't know about the first three things like the iphone x i'm all in definitely whatever just you i don't care if it's october 27th or september 15th whatever just sign me up but everything else i don't know yeah, well, even the part that we skipped over that they wasted way too much time on that whole retail thing where they're showing like insane amounts of money that they're obviously spending to build up what now they're redubbing or renaming. They're no longer calling them iPhone stores. They're calling or Apple stores. They're calling them town squares. It seems so conceited and hippie-ish. I don't know. I really didn't like that whole segment just annoyed me because I just saw so much wasted money and it's probably part of the reason that these phones are so darn expensive where it, I don't know. They, they act like they're giving back to the community with offering these classes and things at these retail stores, but it just seems so bloated. Like just have a retail store. You don't need what's going to be a certain, like an experience that, most of the world is not going to be able to go to this old restored building that you're buying in Paris to build a brand new store. It just seems so ridiculous to me. But then when you got to the actual products, they weren't compelling. Like they would seem like they were just slight upgrades to existing products and nothing I felt so that I need to run out and buy, except until we finally got to the one more thing and I can't run out and buy it. I have to wait for it. So <laughs> I don't know. Overall, it was a little disappointing, especially the fact that we knew pretty much everything going into this. Uh, I don't know. It was a little underwhelming to me. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I wish that the 4K would have came last year when we were talking about it. I think it would have been a lot more compelling just a year in advance. It would seem like Apple's more cutting edge. I wish the Watch Series 3 looked different, did something different, didn't just change hardly anything and then cost $10 more a month. And then the iPhone 8, I still haven't, like I said while we are going over it, I was still trying to think about it. I can't figure out... <laughs> Uh, market gonna for buy? it yeah <laughs> but that iphone x hopefully if they're producing less than ten thousand per day i can't imagine that all these so we're gonna have what another 45 days is gonna help 
really quench or fulfill demand. It seems like it would have been better if they had pre-orders on the 15th because you know after the first few minutes it's going to say four to six weeks anyway. So you could have done that and then at least some people would have got it right now because you obviously made some already and you always have that four to six week lead time. Now everyone has a four to six week lead time. So if we get to October 27th and it's been a few minutes and then they do another four to six weeks, you're almost to 2018. Right, right. And one thing back on what you said about the market for the iPhone 8, you and I mentioned this, but we hadn't talked about it on the podcast, is where's, where does Apple go from here? I know we're just finding about the new crop, but obviously there's not going to be an iPhone 9. They can't do that. But what happens now that they have this iPhone 10, which is size-wise just slightly bigger than the iPhone 8? And it's got a much bigger screen. So where does that put the iPhone Plus models going forward? Is it really even necessary anymore? Because now you have this larger screen on a smaller form factor that's easier to hold. It's going to be more appealing to most people just because they can hold it better. So where does that put the Plus models going forward? Do we now then, after this, for iPhone 11 or whatever they call it, do we then now just have iPhone and iPhone Pro and have two models, even though they're roughly the same size. One has a larger screen. One is like all screen. It's going to be a little more expensive. And then you have just that 4.7 inch screen for the other model. Because do you really need a 5.5 inch plus a 5.8 inch screen? I don't know. It's just a weird. They're kind of almost positioning another one of their devices out of the market. Yeah, that forced obsolete, and I don't know why they would do that, because next year, there's no iPhone 9 and there's no Plus for me. I can't see how either of those exist, and if that's the case, why didn't you just do that this year? Why hold the Plus around, especially in underwhelming 8? If you're, I mean, I understand the X we can hardly produce, but did you really quell any demand by producing this 8 Plus? And the thing is, it's not even that much cheaper than the ten. It's two hundred at the high end. It's two hundred dollars cheaper. Actually, it's probably the low $200 end. It's two hundred dollars cheaper, cheaper. Yeah, yeah. So same, <laughs> same level. Yeah, because same price differences. Yeah, so it's a, so it's a two hundred dollar difference. And I guess maybe for someone who wants that physical button, they still can't let go. And maybe that the dual or the where the the camera little cutout, which kind of covers video. That's one thing that I did notice during their presentations is it covers some of the video as you're playing it. Like at least with the Apple stock app, it, it kind of, so people could find that annoying and maybe they don't want that. And so they're not going to go for that 10, even if the price wasn't a, an issue. So that $200 difference wasn't an issue. Maybe it's just too radical of a change for some people that they felt they needed to keep the plus around to satisfy the large screen people that didn't want this radical design with no button. I don't in like a camera that covers part of the screen. I don't know. It's just a weird. It's like the iPad mini where like that is pretty much out. And they force it out by putting these larger iPads and having the large screen phone at the same time. And so now this 5.8 inch is even closer to an iPad mini size. But 
I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. And I'm curious to see, I know we're just hitting this year, but it has me more curious about what the heck they're going to do next year. Yeah. They should have just called it iPhone X and then you have an iPhone nine. It's not like you're going back. If you don't refer to it as 10, the X could stand for X. It doesn't have to stand for 10 just because it's the right. Roman numeral X. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I was shocked it when they said 10. Yeah. I don't so, know. Also, it kind of made me wonder what they're going to do. The X kind of covered that bucket list of what people have been asking for from the iPhone. The wireless charging, the edge-to-edge screen, the OLED display, the bigger screen and a smaller package. I don't know what they're going to do next year. They've covered it all. Yeah, the only thing I can see them doing is if for some reason that camera really annoys people that it covers part of the screen shifting the form factor somehow to move that up or move that out somehow. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know what else they could add. I guess we got to look and see what Samsung does and they'll find their own spin on it. But uh, I don't know what Samsung's else they're going to do. Samsung's busy copying what Apple did. They're releasing that <laughs> uh, portrait mode and all that kind of stuff. True. Yeah. Oh, that's something we never even mentioned either. That that There's this whole new camera Oh, yeah, the mode. new portrait lighting mode. We can talk about it now. Essentially, it establishes, it builds upon the portrait mode with the bokeh effect on the rear camera. It brings it to the front camera, and it gives you a, a lighting studio where you can adjust the lighting completely around your head to like mimic a studio photo session. Right, and that is only going to be on the Plus and the 10. I don't right. think you can do that on the regular one, yeah. And that's pretty much the iPhone X event, because that's what it will always be known as. Ten years after the first <laughs> iPhone, we have an awesome new iPhone that's definitely worth the upgrade for me. I don't care what model you have. This is finally the time to upgrade it. You have, like, some old broken-down 4 with a cracked screen or something. I don't even care that it costs $1,000. This is the best phone Apple's ever released. They didn't even say that this time. They've said it all these years where they have this boring, like, new 6S. This is the best phone ever. Now they finally have the best phone ever, and they didn't say it. Well, no, they said this is the phone of the future. Like, they're going to build on this. <laughs> yeah, kind of so, like that MacBook Pro. Yeah. But yep, and so it's not all Apple event for this show. I know we've already covered quite a bit and talked about quite a lot, but there's some new games this week. The first one is The Guide's Axiom, which is a sequel to an interesting puzzle game where each kind of level is a page that are interconnected, where you have to solve this kind of like riddle or this cryptogram type of puzzle, and then that's going to connect to some later puzzle. So... The sequel essentially introduces more levels and kind of has it more where you backtrack and connect back and forth. You're going through like this computer program system and then you'll get like this old school 1960s memo. And that might have a little code in the upper right corner and you're on level 16. And then now you get to level 26 and it backtracks to that code on the level 16. And they have all that interconnected idea. And the game doesn't bother with a tutorial or holding your hand of how to explain it. Essentially, you have to figure it out. It's like you're given a little puzzle box and you need to have, figure out how to open the box and do everything that the game is going to entail. 
Yeah, I I remember loving the first one. I have this download. I haven't actually uh, dived into it yet, but I remember the first one was so original, and I love the fact that they don't hold your hand. You kind of have to solve these all by yourself. You have to kind of remember those clues. So it, it makes you want to just plow through it because then you have everything fresh in your mind and you don't step away because then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe there was something back there that I forgot about that is a clue for this thing where it just it drives you forward and makes you want to play through level after level after level to keep it all fresh in your in your head and help you solve the puzzles. It also does a good job of really taking advantage of the device. So some of these new levels will have more kind of multi-touch gestures, or you might have to take a screenshot within the game, and then only in that screenshot view can you see the code that's needed for a later level. Or say you have this like ticker of numbers, and then when you take a screenshot, it freezes, and it always freezes in that same code, so that can be used for a later level. Or maybe you'll have like some highlighter appear after you take a screenshot. It reminded me of Black Box, that iPhone game, where yep. it just you have to figure out kind of what to do. But they've built it, you know, in that guides fashion. Yeah, I definitely plan on spending some time with this one. It's these are a great series of apps. And so that's the guides axiom. It's free. It's universal, and the in-app purchases are mainly tied to removing ads. Or you could just simply donate to the developers to tell them you really appreciated the game. Yeah, <laughs> I see it. You love this game. You love the game. You like the game. Yeah. And so next up is Atomine, which is a dual stick shooter essentially set in a computer system where you have your viewed kind of as a virus into this computer system and you have all these enemies sent from the computer to destroy you you're trying to get into this missile system to deactivate it and it's a traditional kind of classic dual stick shooter that's mixed in with roguelike elements so you have to defeat all the enemies on a given floor and then you're going to progress through to the next level and kind of get through this computer system and then if you die you start back at the beginning but you can unlock new weapons and modules for your main attacker as you go to help you proceed further each time you go. Yeah, the modular weapon system in this thing is really neat because you you get a random so there's certain rooms within these so you're trying to navigate like a kind of a a set map and it's different every time but you'll find each in each one of these levels you'll find an area that you can go into which either gives you like an immediate power up of some sort or it's a way to modify your weapon. You have some random thing that you've unlocked. One of the modules will be there for you to enable if you want. You don't have to if you don't like it. But it'll be things like double shot or triple shot or something that gives you rapid fire. Or, or maybe it turns your gun into a laser. And so there's these various weapons and you get to – you'll just have a random choice there. But it allows you to try different things and see if they'll help you to then make it further and further. And I've never – you go through about three levels and then you hit this firewall, the first firewall level. And I have never made it past – that first firewall level that's about as far as i've gotten in this game and i had to have played at least 30 plus times trying to go through this i i actually probably way more than that probably 50 times and i just keep on trying and trying but even though i keep dying and i have to restart at the beginning 
just the the visual style of the game and the way that it kind of all goes in this like shaky vibrations when when you get hit it's just really compelling and makes you want to go back in and because you know there's weapons that you've unlocked that might be really good you think you might have a chance to make it further and further the next time for me i kind of like dual stick shooters and this one just felt a little rigid a little jagged it wasn't as fluid as something like mini gore 2 or even just a meteor strike or robo kill or any of those kind of just really fluid action-packed dual stick shooters the game was a little rigid and i thought it was because there was a screen shake effect and there was purposeful glitch and just um, various kind of screen manipulation effects for each explosion and stuff so i turned all that stuff off to try it without any of that and I still had the same thing. It didn't have that fluid nature that I would expect from this type of game. It was The main character kind of moves in more blocky patterns. And so I found myself getting more damage than I was used to for this type of game. And so I turned all that stuff back on, whether it was on or not. That's neat, but it was more of a distraction got in the way. But it still wasn't the problem with the game. At first glance, I thought, oh, that's the problem. But once I turned it all off, it's actually the core movement scheme of the character and the enemies that was just not working for me. So the one thing I will say is with the controls, I felt like they were, like you said, a little rigid. It almost felt, in in fact, in times, I felt like it lost control. Like it, I, I would be moving and moving, then all of a sudden I would just stop. And I'm still moving the stick, but my character is just completely stopped. And that usually when he gets hit and he starts to lose some health and you can die pretty quickly if you don't get out of the way, because there's a lot of things going after you only get by default eight shots. I haven't figured out how to unlock a new character yet. I'm assuming you have to make a pass to firewall or something to unlock a different character who have different stats from the start, like health, how many health points he has and other things. I don't know how yet. Uh, this is where it's, it gets a little confusing because I don't really know how to progress past where I am other than to unlock more modules randomly by playing. And so that area of the game where I think the control should be maybe have a sensitivity level setting to so I could bump it up to be able to move a little bit quicker or move a little better. And then just some idea of how to unlock those additional characters, because you see there's spots for them, but I have no idea how to do it. Yeah, I definitely had the same thing with the controls. And with that roguelike setup, you want to kind of have an idea of where you're shooting for but i didn't find that either yeah and so that's out of mine it's 2.99 it's universal and then there's push and pop which is an interesting little matching game it uses kind of the matching mechanic of tetris where you have to create a line to clear it off the board but it does so where you have 360 degree movement of your character where your little block and you need to push blocks out of the way. So rather than, you know, moving or controlling dropping pieces, you're at the center of the board and you need to push things outwards to line them up into lines to clear them off the board. And if you ever get trapped with a line that's vertical and horizontal and you're stuck in the middle, then it's game over. And so when I first played this game, I thought it was a time thing where new blocks appeared based on a certain time. And then I realized that it's actually every swipe you make. So you can take your time and view this as a pure puzzle idea in that block sliding puzzle fashion. And just when you move, you can expect either a little gem pickup is going to appear 
or then another block is going to appear and you want to try to not back yourself into any corners and just build upon yourself to figure out uh, always you have somewhere that you can push a stack into place to possibly create a pathway or make a line. Right. And your movements are kind of like, so it's kind of like that slayaway camp where when you slide, you're going to slide all the way until you hit an obstruction. So you can't just move like one square. You may move multiple squares. You kind of have to figure out your a roundabout way. And like you, I completely thought it was time-based. I, I, I'm like, oh, I got it as fast. And I, I thought another block's going to come and get me. And then it wasn't until a <laughs> embarrassingly long time <laughs> that I realized that, oh, wait, no, it is every swipe. And the nice thing about that is not only do you get to take your time, but it also puts this kind of risk-reward system in because in order to get points and get a high score, you have to pick up these little blocks that show up. So you now have to decide, am I going to take a chance – swiping to collect some blocks when I know now a new block is going to come in or do I just ignore these for now and just try to clear out another row and then I'll get to collecting some points and so it, it, it makes for an interesting like tactical feel to the game which immediately looked like it was just like a quick action last as long as you can type of game yeah, it changes up the whole idea, the whole premise of what you're going in. At first, you're like, okay, this is just a quick, endless, high-score challenge. But then you have that methodical puzzle idea introduced, and it really changes it up. You know, it feels more like Triple Town or Threes in terms of a matching game that really makes you think about every single move that you make. And they've done a really good job. There's a great art style, a fun soundtrack, as well as a overarching narration that fits with the idea and it's just a really well made matching game that stands out from the tons and tons that are on the app store yeah 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 when you originally wanted to say that you wanted to look at this one i'm like oh no not another quick action game <laughs> so i was glad i finally realized that it wasn't <laughs> and so that's push uh, and, and so, pop it's free it's and universal it's free yep and so just before we close because i always have to mention a digital board game Two quick things. First off, the Evolution, the video game, which is the digital adaptation of the board game Evolution, just launched a Kickstarter today, and it's already like 70% funded. Definitely check that out. I, I did a preview video, which is actually on the campaign page. I didn't get paid for this. I played it. I loved it. I offered. So check that out. And then the other game is Eight Minute Empire, which is comes from Akram Digital, who released the Steam Rails to Riches digital uh, port of that game as well. And I had never played Eight Minute Empire before, but it is quick. It is about an eight minute game, and it's a uh, a card game where you're kind of trying to acquire spaces on a board so you have a map and think risk where you're trying to uh, acquire various states and then continents as well and in this game the way you do that is by uh playing you you have a line of cards at the bottom and these are the different actions you can take you spend money to purchase these the ones on the left are free and goes to more expensive on the right and when you pick one then the rest of the cards kind of slide down and so you always kind of want to try to save your money in order to buy these cheaper actions. And the actions could be anything from recruiting new troops, 
uh, moving some of your troops around on the board to acquire new locations, or maybe you kill off a, a, your opponent's troops, or there's a sailing thing which allows you to navigate to a location that's like across the river, across water. And so the goal of the game is there's a limited number of, of rounds. And within those number of rounds, you want to accumulate the most points. So you do that by not only accumulating like certain by acquiring the certain states or I guess I, I want to call them states and continents. So you either have to have the most soldiers on a state to, to say that you own that or you have to have the most number of states within a continent to own that continent. And at the end, you're given points based on those. But there's also these resources that are on the cards that you're buying with your actions. And those each have their own levels of way they level up for victory points. So four of these red gems will give you six victory points, where if you had one, it's one point, two, it's two points, or three, it's three points. And then there's other ones where it takes like two of those in order to form a single victory point, or maybe you need three of a certain one to get certain number of victory points. So that also plays into what actions you might purchase from that row of cards because they'll help you earn towards victory points as well. So you may choose one card over another, not based on the action it's going to give you, but rather the resources it's going to give you to help bump you toward that next level of resource points. But it's it's a really cool, quick-playing uh, game that is super tactical, but and there's strategy there, but it's all different levels because you decide how you're going to focus on, you're going to earn your points, and the rounds go so quick. I mean, it's just one or two, it's one move. You buy a card and you do that action. And so I, I never played this game. I had heard of it. And playing the digital one, I played a whole ton of this, and it's it's a lot of fun. And if you like those those territory games where you're trying to acquire uh, areas and be the the one to to win the game by winning the map, uh, definitely check it out. That's good to know. And how much is it? Uh, it's four ninety nine. The and then it has some in app purchases where you can get an expansion to the game, which adds a cute. Uh, some fun rule twists to the game. And then there's a way that you can purchase additional maps. So you get three maps to start, but then they have additional maps, but they're all like a dollar 99 each, which is kind of expensive. And I'm surprised they don't have like a map pack that just unlocks them all for a, a discounted price. That was the one kind of downside to the game that I noticed was those seem overpriced for what they were, but uh, the, the expansion was definitely worth it because it adds some cool twists. Sounds good. So that's 8-Minute Empire, and I think that's everything for episode 34. Yep, that's all I got. Brett, thanks for joining me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pleasure as always. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.